brightest blessings, beautiful souls, and welcome to Rooted in Source. I am your guide, Eva. Thank you for tuning in with your open heart as I share enchanting encounters with magical guests as well as solo journeys intended to divinely guide you to stay rooted in Source. Brightest blessings, beautiful souls. We are back here with Janelle, and this is the part two of her story. I'm so excited to hear what else has uncovered in her journey so far, and um, I just look forward to hearing all of the wisdom around pregnancy and having a little light being and how that's been um, shifting her life for the better. So um, welcoming Janelle. (laughs) Hello again. Yeah, I think just to start off, thank you to whoever um, enjoyed part one enough that they wanted to keep hearing more and join us again. So um, I really hope from what I got to share and have the the blessing um, from my experience to get to exude out. Um, yeah, that it enriched some people. And I hope this one also brings even further more enrichment and knowledge and um, inspiration or whatever is meant to come through from, from that today. So thanks for Thanks for letting us continue on this journey. <laughs> Bless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess um, where to start with. So yeah, for a bit of a little reminder, depending on when you listen to <laughs> part one or not, if it's back to back or if there's some space in between. Um, So yeah, I'm sharing about the birth of my son, Zakai, and my experience um, becoming a mama for the first time. Um, So I'll probably refer to him as Z or Zakai because that's his nickname. Uh, But yeah, he's almost six months now. Wow. Yeah. Um, So he's really, um, yeah, it really, it it is true what they say it really does go by so quickly and the growth is so exponential and it's so crazy to see all the shift the quick shifts and quick changes um how 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 quick they develop um but yeah just falling in more love and more joy every day with him um yeah so we were sharing as well about um really how um I had a huge shift actually a year before I gave birth. So um, I I actually realized it was exactly pretty much a year um, from after I did the inner voice facilitator training, which is where I really learned to get out of my head and connect deeper with myself, um, with my soul, my spirit, my divine depth, that inner wisdom, that inner guidance part of me. Um, and that helped prepare me so much to have such an amazing pregnancy experience and birthing experience where I didn't get so caught up in the stories and the fears and the stress mm-hmm. and all that, that can really weigh down on so many women, um, in that, that chapter and phase of their lives. 
or some that are afraid to even go into that chapter because of a lot of those stories or fears that are perpetuated, right? So um, yeah, I wrapped up that. I became um, an inner voice facilitator and did a ton of emotional healing through that where um, we shared last episode how my body really shifted and I saw a lot of physical changes and improvements as well as um, a ton of shifts in my internal state. Um, Yeah, so it was fall of 2020 when that wrapped up and then it was September 23rd when I gave birth to my son. So yeah, it was like um, such a cool timeline of that happening as well. And um, something I remembered um the very first inner voice session I had so for people that don't understand what um maybe that means because they're not familiar with it um that's um in connection to the just lively community um and uh inner voice sessions is just another term for almost like soul sessions or yeah when you're out of your surface mental state and more connected within yourself where we have that inner truth and where you can access a lot of healing and clarity and wisdom or we're just out of that doing mode and you're in being mode so that's when a lot of emotions can come up that haven't been processed and we shared about how that is so connected to your well-being and even your organ health and so many things Mm -hmm. um so I remember the very first session that I had where I was not facilitating but I part of that training was for me to be like the client or just to be the one finally going deep within myself and um in that first session, it it was brought up how, you know, I have, I was diagnosed with PCOS and um, my, my leader who is facilitating this session, you know, asked from that divine self, my inner voice, if that was an issue for me. Um, But I'd worked on it for so many years and gotten rid of a lot of stories. So I didn't have a lot of um, legalism or fear or perfectionism issues that I had had before. Um, so we didn't need to dive so much into that topic, but I know that that can be helpful for a lot of women. That's what I do now is I hold space for women in the inner voice, um, sessions for women that are struggling with hormonal, um, imbalances and want to understand what's actually going on. What are those root causes? Is it energetic things? Is it emotional things? Is it maybe some lifestyle things? Is it a combination? Um, but for me, um, you know, I wasn't in that space anymore. And then also I do, you know, sessions around pregnancy and birth and those different areas as well, where there can be a lot of those topics that can be so overwhelming and so confusing and so frustrating because um, women get all these different stories and advice and contradictions. So I love to um, be able to get the wisdom within everyone to shed light on those different topics. Um, but what happened for me it was funny because what my inner voice said on that topic was like, because a lot of women that have been diagnosed with PCOS sometimes are told like you'll never have kids. Mm. Um, sometimes there's doctors that might say that, or people might say that, um, even though there are so many women with that have had that diagnosis that do go on to be mothers. Um, mm. Yeah. And so what came through through my inner voice was she's the opposite of barren. um and of course at the time I had no clue no nothing on my radar like we shared last time that um you know I was going to be on a motherhood journey very soon and you know just a couple months down the road be conceiving um so yeah it was just like I had no like my mind didn't understand because I didn't know where that came from right but yeah even I guess 
at that point, you know, um, yeah, it just came through in just this beautiful, energetic way of just like, oh, she's the opposite of bear. Like, how silly. Like, like, you know, like it was just, I think, helping me realize how I had so much like life and creativity, um, like, like ready to, to, to start emerging through me as well. Um, yeah, so that was a really, um, yeah, another another facet that I, I remember that I thought was really, really cool as part of my, my journey. Um, and yeah, um, there was that piece of it. And um, so soon after, um, you know, I had I done I did quite a bit of sessions. And that's what I mentioned, I had so many of those those shifts happen. Um, and another big thing that I learned during that time was just to not listen to a lot of those stories or fear. And, um, at the time I was, we were needing to move. Um, this was, you know, of course, during the time of COVID, we had had a place and then we were living out of the city for a while. Um, and then we needed to try and move back into the city because we had been there for six months and just, um, you know, not having community or connections and different things to explore mm -hmm. for my husband and I in terms of like business and trying to, you know, connect with people and that kind of thing from where we were staying, it just wasn't possible. So um, I needed, we needed to try and find a new place to live. And I started looking uh, at rental places and I started noticing how my my mind or my surface self was trying to gravitate just towards like a low budget kind of place. So of course we maybe mm -hmm. had in our head, like, okay, this is the figure, this is the number of how much we want to spend on rent. Um, but really what we wanted, so I know for me, cause so we were living in Nairobi at the time. And of course, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful city, but it's, there are some areas of it, which are very, like concrete jungle right where mm -hmm. it's like dusty and pavement and like no sidewalks and no trees and just like chaos and a lot of like small tight apartments and then there's other areas or neighborhoods that have beautiful trees and like you know like literally plants that look like they're out of Jurassic Park like those like big beautiful things that don't even look real um yeah. you know so there's such a there's such diversity and contrast in in, in that city mm -hmm. um so like my surface self was really trying to compare myself to others and be like, you know, mm -hmm. so many people live in very, you know, small apartments, you know, without that beautiful nature around. And so like, why would I be any better? And like, why should I, you know, live in kind of a nicer place? And I should just mm -hmm. like find a really affordable small apartment in, in maybe one of those kind of more common um types types of settings um but really like when we went to go view those places like I could just feel it felt like deprivation like that mm -hmm. I was depriving myself right and of course we're all on a spectrum we're all at different places in our lives and different things that we need to experience at different times but like it, so it's not that one way is right or one way is wrong but I just I felt like it just felt like I was going to be depriving myself and then mm -hmm. there were, um, you know, of course, there were places I saw online that were like, you know, way above my budget <laughs> or what, you know, we could afford. And like, mm -hmm. it wasn't that I felt, you know, like, that's not I don't deserve that in, a, in an unworthy way. But it just that felt like excess, like that's not fitting. So I think what mm -hmm. I started to realize is it's always it's not about maybe what our minds have as a concept 
It's more mm -hmm. about what feels aligning for right now. And so mm -hmm. we ended up finding a place and it was like kind of run down this like little guest house, um, but we were able to get it at a really affordable rate because we did some renovations and it had this amazing, beautiful garden and this amazing location in Nairobi, which is really important because there's a lot of congestion and things are quite spread out. So like, you know, mm -hmm. transport and getting around is a really big factor in your quality of life is what I learned. So, um, yeah, the location was amazing and it was in a neighborhood that was really like walking friendly and, um, yeah, just like literally beautiful trees, like all around. And it's just really rare. Like people didn't believe that it was possible for us to find that kind of place at the price we did. Um, so, um, and we didn't rush it. So I really learned like my, maybe my mental self wanted to rush. My service self was like eager, eager to move back into, into the city. Um, but yeah, I just learned like to trust and wait and, and explore, but, and, and like, it's more about the alignment than maybe the mental comparison of like the money or all those factors mm -hmm. that like the mind can weigh. Um, yeah. So, um, it was the, and then it was cool. I, like, you know, we moved in, I think it was in October and I, um, got pregnant beginning of, of the year, beginning of January. So. So basically moved in three months before. And I, of course, at the time I had no clue that was going to be where I was going to be pregnant and giving birth, um, conceiving, being pregnant and giving birth. Um, but it ended up being the most magical, perfect, beautiful place for that um, experience. Um, like I had mentioned before in the first episode, the neighbor that we met was... Um, a midwife and she just helped me in so 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 many ways like I talked about um and then um what was so interesting too like it was on this so it was really close to like a spring um so spring mm. and then like a forest and that that's why there were so many trees there um mm. and our guest house was like at the end of the compound so there was I think about over maybe 70 or 80 stairs to get to get there oh, so wow. every day it was like a free gym <laughs> um of like all those stairs and just like that it had such privacy and peace and it was just such a haven mm. and, and and Nairobi can be quite a chaotic city so just to have that was so nourishing to my mind body and soul um mm. and um you know just like amazing like a really walking friendly neighborhood had sidewalks so you know, when I was pregnant, getting to walk in the neighborhood and do those stairs, like that was so good for preparing my body. Like I didn't plan that, but like stairs and walks are really, really, really good things to prepare your body for birth. Um, so that was just a lovely byproduct. And then just that garden space, right, was so mm. beautiful. And um, what was another unexpected blessing was I started... Um, now hosting gatherings and one-on-one -on -one sessions around wellness and hormonal wellness and holistic mm. holistic healing and so women then got to take a break from you know the concrete jungle or their small apartments and like come now to the garden on the weekend mm. or when they had one-on-one -on -one sessions with me and like it's almost like a little retreat right so yeah. it was it wasn't just for me because in my head you know I was thinking like, oh it's our budget like, so it's like that garden became my office mm. and it, it was so wow like, filling and beautiful for so many people so it was like that garden wasn't just meant for me it yeah. was meant for those other 
you know, people in my life in that community. And like, we had so many also beautiful events there. Like we had my, my, my baby shower there. And then after Zakai was born, my sister-in-law threw us, it's called the Gusaba. Um, so it's a Rwandan mm. cultural tradition um, where, um, yeah, the community comes and they, oh my gosh, they brought us probably enough food to last like two months like they but like but a lot of it was produce so like we, there's only two of us like we can't eat this this well, week so it was like they bring these like huge bunches of matoke which is like the green bananas and like fruit and just like literally baskets and baskets of like tomatoes and cabbage and just like so much of, like they just want to like shower you with abundance and it goes yeah. back to you know back traditionally when a woman would have a child and they're on the farm they no longer can be you know farming and so um it's like the community comes so that to make sure that they're going to have food um Mm -hmm. to bless them with so it goes back to that so you know that was even held in that garden you know so there were so many like just beautiful beautiful things that I have so many fond memories of that space and we were there we lived there for a year and I had no clue you know it, it was bigger than our budget, but things just worked out. And like I said, I didn't, you know, know it was going to become a home office, um, but that's how things mm-hmm. flowed um, at the time. So um, it was just the perfect home for um, a beautiful place to create a child and carry a child. Mm-hmm. And then um, that I even got to birth him there, right? Like to get to do mm-hmm. all those things in the same space was also um, really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow. Um I do have a few I have a few questions that sparked up Please. as you were sharing that Please. part of your story. Um so I want to circle back to the the part where you were doing the inner voice facilitator training. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um I'm kind of curious did anything through that training kind of shift or illuminate your perspective around being a that guide that mother figure for Zakai um I guess if you think like Janelle pre IVSP mm. versus <laughs> yeah. after um it mm. like whatever sparks up um yeah good question I mean honestly every time I've done I do an inner voice session um I shift in some at least in one way, if not multiple ways. Um, so I can't remember how many sessions I would have done during the training, but even afterwards, like I still have a couple beautiful connections of other facilitators and we exchange and do sessions for each other. Um, I've made really mm. beautiful friendships and connections with these ladies. Like they also joined like the, my virtual baby shower. Like, you know, it's just really Aww. beautiful sisterhoods, like such harmonious yeah. relationships. And so, mm. um, yeah, like we continued, it, it wasn't like a scheduled basis, you know, it was just sometimes I mm. would ask or they would offer and we would, um, you know, hold space for each other. And every time I did that, because I, I, both, both I sometimes I do just take the space on my own where I you know just go into a room I close the door I have no distractions and I just start you know connecting with myself and breathing and seeing sometimes emotions come come up that need to be processed and felt and experienced mm-hmm. sometimes it's um, words of wisdom that come through sometimes images sometimes a mix of all those things because that's you know what can can come through and surface or just you know a lot of feelings of finally you know slowing down in that peace and that trust that can come through when you finally um 
take the time, yeah, to slow down and you're not caught up in, in the rat, you know, just that rat race of what's next, what's next, what's next, and the to-do list and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, whether it's connecting with myself or with someone else holding that space, because I do find that really helpful to go deeper. Um, you know, if you go jogging with someone, you end up like, you're like, oh, I didn't know I could jog that far. Or, you know, there's just there's <laughs> something about when someone holds that space for you, it helps you go deeper or just... Um, go longer so I find that sometimes really 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 helpful um I even did that the other week um and I think when I look back to before I started being connected more deeply within myself through this and um you know I know there's this this way was really aligning and beautiful and flowed into my life and that was meant for me but there's so many different modalities out there that you know Mm -hmm. helped you connect within yourself so you know different things are going to resonate with different people or different things might come into different people's lives at different times. Some people like start off maybe by journaling or, you know, there's no right or wrong. There's so many ways to connect within deeper within yourself. Right. But yeah, for me prior to it, I, yeah, I did a lot of writing and I did a bit of meditation. So I had a bit of a foundation, but this just like expedited me, I would say in, in so many levels. Um, So I think it's a bit, like I said, it's a bit blurry because I spent many, many, many years, even before um, doing the inner voice facilitator training, where I was intentionally working on my well-being. Um, mm. But this, I think, was the piece that dove me deep more into like I was already quite spiritual, but even further spirituality within myself, as well as like the emotional piece. Before that, I mm. I had a couple emotional shifts and breakthroughs, but this is the one that really started bringing up way more unprocessed emotions for me. Um, so yeah, I think it really helped. I think the biggest shift is that it, it taught me how to just sit and feel my feelings and not mm-hmm. like, you know, when you start to feel like a tension and a buildup of like confusion or frustration or just whatever emotions that you haven't dealt with, whether that's, you know, struggling with self-doubt or self-worth or um, you know, all those other things, it's helped me to actually just not get in loops and stuck in it, but like take that mm-hmm. intentional time to just sit with myself and slow down and face it um, and connect within to have like, it's almost, it feels like almost like, like a storm, like, you know, whether it's self-doubt or fear or worry mm-hmm. or shame or stories of worthlessness or, um, you know, it feels like it's like heavy, dark clouds. And then when you finally connect within yourself and start to feel those things and like, it's like bringing light and it's like, they, it's like the storm passes and now you just have the sunshine again. Um, mm. And other storms are going to keep coming, but like it, it's like helps not the storm to be prolonged and you're like in it. So yeah, I think it helps me. It's helped me be like in a, more open, more light, more um, free, and then I'm able to be a better mom because I'm not caught up and like drowning mm-hmm. in those emotions or those those stories of self doubt or shame, or, you know, things that mm-hmm. would maybe block me from. Like right now, I'm exploring different. You know, I want to. Um, I would love to do more sessions for people, but also bring um, wellness holistic wellness workshops as well as one-on-one maybe into like a business where I can or an organization 
where I can connect with people and build mm-hmm. that relationship and help them understand these different pieces and meet them where they're at, you know, but before I was struggling with self-doubt around those topics and, um, or mm-hmm. around my, around my ability to do that, even though I started realizing, oh, I've done so much actually. So I had to work through that and I would be in a much, not in a very good mood if I was in that space. And then also, you know, then I don't, I wouldn't be able to be excited about something. And that's such a beautiful example for your children of where do you want to exude? I remember once, once one day when I was pregnant, I wanted, I went on a walk in the neighborhood and that's another way I connect within myself is on walks. I would just be breathing and like kind of talking to myself or sometimes let my inner voice come through almost like channeling. And I asked mm-hmm. kind of from that deeper place, like I kind of was connecting with, with um, baby Z and asking like, what do you want for me? Like, what, what would you mm-hmm. love to see for your mom in her life? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd been doing a lot of writing and journaling of like, what do I want for him? And I was working through a lot mm-hmm. of things of from my childhood that I didn't want for him. Like in my childhood, mm-hmm. I felt very, I suppressed myself a lot and felt really um, like holding myself back and really complacent. And I had a lot of issues like that, like where I couldn't be free to express myself and I had to just kind of conform to be safe. Um, so I was like, I want him to be, well, I didn't know it was him, but I wanted, you know, Z to be, to always feel like he can have freedom of expression and, um, you know, not feel like he has to hold, hold anything back or those kind of things. But I was like, I want, I want, I wanted to know what did he, what did his soul want for me in my life? And that was the answer I got was to exude. Like he wants to see his mm-hmm. mom exude because the more I exude, the more he'll exude. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if I had, when I look back to my former self before I started really, you know, doing the inner work on myself. And like I said, the expedited piece of the, the um, sessions and mm-hmm. that growing that connection within myself to my divine depth and inner voice. I think I, I struggled a lot with um, like control still and perfectionism mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have been able to trust as much. Um, so the uncertainty around um, the financial piece of, of a child, the, um, you know, those, those kind of things, I think, I think I would be a, a much more stressed mom. Like I'm a very chill mom. <laughs> like I don't. I don't really worry about much um Mm -hmm. and I don't overthink things I used to really overthink things so I think Mm -hmm. those those are some of the biggest shifts that um I feel really grateful for and then um when we talk about the actual birth there were so many things that I learned from my training and from you know what it what it how it is to just finally be present and feel those emotions that's so connected Mm -hmm. to preparing yourself for birth. So, um, you know, I think it prepared me to have a much more beautiful and less prolonged and safer birth. Um, Mm -hmm. especially in connect in conjunction to the book that I talked about last time, um, Aina May's guide to childbirth and how that made me understand really like what is birth? How do you prepare? Like, what are the things that, the things I had done, I had been preparing for without even knowing it. Um, there's so much synchronicity and alignment there. So, um, yeah, but definitely, I think being having more trust and um, more mm-hmm. presence, right? Because it's so mm-hmm. easy as a mom to get caught up in like, what's next? What's next? Or you're doing. I heard a really good quote once that said, "Sometimes parents get so caught up in doing things for their children that they're never with their children." 
Mm, yeah. 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 So presence and trust and like not being so stressed, I would like not, not controlling or a stressed kind of mom, I think would be some of the biggest. Um, mm. Yeah. If I had had a child earlier versus after, um, after that kind of growth that I was gifted with. Mm. Yeah. I think that what you were speaking to, well, first mm. off the, the trust piece, I, I love that you spoke about that home that you lived in that was like a sanctuary and had the garden mm-hmm. um because when miracles like that happen in our lives it's almost like easier to trust the process later on because mm-hmm. you already see like what is available when you just surrender and you don't have to think through everything and plan everything mm-hmm. um and and with the the parents, um, it, it's almost like this old story, this old way of parenting, at least from my perspective, mm. I feel like the parent, people that are parents now, um, like new parents, are kind mm-hmm. of shifting the role and, and bringing in these new ideas and new ways of being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think it is a lot more wholesome from my perspective. And mm. there's a lot more awareness around like the emotional aspect of it. And because mm. we're doing the healing work, then we know that we don't want our um our kids to have to go through all of the, the deep healing that we did. And so mm-hmm. we were able to be more of like, like do things to kind of prevent that or give them tools, mm-hmm. you know, from a much younger stage. Um, I know I hear a lot about mm-hmm. like um, the indigo children, I'm not familiar with like the names, but it's like rainbow children, indigo right. children. Yeah, the ones I vaguely have heard of this, but I don't think I, I really dug into it or understood really what it meant. Yeah, it's um it, it from what I've heard, and I haven't mm. I haven't dived deep either, but mm. it's it's this idea that the children being born now are mm. are coming through for like the new earth and they're going okay. to be kind of in a way mm. more advanced mm. um and i think that we play a huge role in it because mm. you know like the the people that are parents now are the ones that like i said have been doing the healing work understand what mm-hmm. how the trauma from their childhood impacts mm-hmm. them now that it's still in them and and so yeah it's just um it's so beautiful i feel like it's mm-hmm. um yeah, a so much brighter future yeah 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 and then that makes me think of like i honestly didn't read a ton of books <laughs> like, like like i said i i in the first like section of my like healing wellness journey where I was more caught up mm-hmm. in the legalism and perfectionism. Like I got um, caught up in a lot of information overload. So I mm-hmm. knew during pregnancy, I wasn't going to do that where like, yeah, you just like feel like you're swimming and drowning in too much information. Right. So I didn't read, mm-hmm. like I read some really key books or key articles, like where I knew where to get a lot of wisdom and insight and deep things from, but I didn't need mm-hmm. to get caught up in all the noise. Um, but another book that really comes to mind, um, it was so cute. My husband came home with it one day. It was called The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read. 
And I think it was written by, oh, I can't remember if it was a psychotherapist or a psychologist. I can't remember the, 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 the term of the lady that wrote it. Um, but yeah, um, she shares a lot about that where she, like, she's done a ton of counseling and therapy for adults. And so much of it comes back to um, their childhoods. And so she's, she's really emphasizing, like, one of the best things you can do for your children is work on yourself first and your the own childhood mm-hmm. things you need to work on, because that's all going to come through, like, as you become a parent and your parenting. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really emphasizing that. Um, and yeah, and also just helps you to understand, like, those first couple years of a child's life are so pivotal, and they're being shaped just by your, like, even small decisions of like sleeping and like feeding, like all those things like really actually shape, um, can shape a child for the long term in um, sometimes, you know, a lot of harmful ways or sometimes really elevating ways. So yeah, that was another really amazing book of, um, yeah, just like it, it helped me also think back to a lot of my childhood things and what, how I didn't want him to feel and see himself the way that I did. Um, yeah, so that's, if anyone's interested, that's another really good, good, I really recommend it. Even, even if you don't like, aren't close to being a parent or a parenthood (laughs) chapter, like it just helped to spark like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, like it's, well, first of all, it's it's fascinating. Some of the like studies and Mm -hmm. things that are in it. And it's also not a very long read. It's a pretty quick short book. Um, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it really, I think sparked a lot of people to maybe question things from their own their own childhood or maybe see like oh maybe that's why I'm that way and um mm-hmm. yeah that, that's a really good one as well mm, thank you for yeah. sharing that um I would love for you to to share um as mm. we're speaking about this I feel like it's very common for when someone is kind of of an age where they can get pre- like a woman can get pregnant mm. or um they're with their partner and they've been married or they just got mm. engaged and then Um, I feel like I see a lot of conversation around, um, other people trying to kind of give suggestions and, Mm. um, kind of tell the person like what they should be doing and stuff. Um, Mm. so having gone through that, I guess, do you have any, anything that you would like to share around how someone can place those boundaries, um, while also, um, I guess, kind of coming from a place of not trying to offend anyone, but mm-hmm. but just also having those strong boundaries, because I think that that's really important to honor those boundaries mm-hmm. ourselves and then ask for others to honor them, too. So can, can you be more specific when you sense. say, like, <laughs> sh- when you're saying people are sharing mm-hmm. maybe certain suggestions or advice, are you talking yeah. about becoming a parent or how to become yes. a parent? What, what, what do yep. you mean specifically? Yeah, I guess um, my train of thought mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like if um, if there's like a young couple and people know, you know, like mm-hmm. that they are interested in having kids or mm-hmm. even the conversation around like people asking, oh, are you going to have kids? Because I know that's yeah. a very personal topic and some people mm-hmm. have chosen not to. And then right. there's other people that feel the need to express mm-hmm. their opinion on that. And that can be very you know, offensive and triggering for people. So just if you have anything around that, that you want to share. I think it's a very layered area. Um, I mean, yeah, I think like the first thing is always like, I think 
we're taught or it's maybe normalized to ask some of those questions and we're just kind of mm-hmm. like regurgitating them and I do it myself too. Um, so, but yeah, like it's really about like, it's okay to be maybe curious or just asking questions, mm-hmm. you know, but like also respecting that. Yeah. Maybe being aware of maybe some people like have made that choice or that doesn't feel right for them or, you know, like there's so many shades and colors that that can look like for, for couples, you know, there's so many different ways that someone could be a parent or have a family dynamic look or that they just, yeah, have decided that they like the partnership that they have with one another and they don't see themselves um, joining, like becoming a parent or joining that somehow in whatever shape or form. Right. Um, so I think, I think it's, there's, yeah, it's really, there's a lot of nuances. Um, if I think there are some people that, yeah, have just, just know that that's not the experience in life that they want to have. And that's totally mm-hmm. amazing. And they'll have other beautiful experiences in life. There are some that maybe have fears and worries around it. And that's actually blocking them, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe they, um, are going to process at some point or, um, you know, um, maybe for some, they have false understanding and think that they can't have kids. There's a lot of, I think Mm -hmm. that being perpetuated out there. And from the years I've spent digging into this, most of the time, it's very rarely like a genetic thing that you can't have kids. A lot of it is there's a lot of um, underlying facets and factors that influence fertility for men and for women. Um, So there's actually a lot that you can do to shift your body and shift your state that probably could um, allow you that you could have kids. So I think some Mm -hmm. people are in that category where they think they can't, but um, that's a limiting belief. And there's actually a lot they could do to heal Mm -hmm. their body and um, be in a state that that they actually could um so yeah I think it's like there's a lot of different scenarios and situations um and yeah just respecting like just where where people are at and lovingly sharing maybe different mm-hmm. things with them um I guess would be the best kind of um or yeah or or another another piece of it um it's really beautiful I had um a client um she um she was an old friend of mine hadn't talked to her in years um but um, she, I have so much of, like beautiful admiration for her because she came to me and said, you know, I'm getting married soon. And we, I, we know we want to like try to be conceiving quite soon after. Um, but I want to, you know, learn more about how I can prepare myself for that. And I think that would be amazing if that was more common in our culture, in our conversations, even in schools. Like there's so much that... Mm-hmm. We can do like pregnancy starts long before you're pregnant. Like there are so many things that like affect your quality of eggs from your lifestyle, from your inner state right now. Um, so like basically the more you're working on your well-being, the better your chances of like having it being more easy to um to to have a little light come into you. Um mm-hmm. and have a smoother pregnancy, an easier birth, uh, and, and like a healthier child. Like I can't remember if I shared in the last episode, did I talk about how, um, like your cur- like when you get pregnant, that will determine like whether your child is at higher risk or not for certain like diseases. Did I mention that? 
I don't believe so. So for instance, as an example, with, um, with PCOS or a lot of other conditions, people can have um, high blood sugar levels or they have, um, you know, insulin resistance. That can be a big piece of it. Um, basically, I learned if I had gotten pregnant back when my body was in that state and I, my blood sugar levels were not mm-hmm. stable and all over the place, then um, my child would be at much higher risk to develop diabetes in their lifetime given certain lifestyles, because it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. it's like underlying and then it can be triggered, but it's like, you can be more susceptible Mm -hmm. and at higher risk. Um, So like, it's not inevitable that someone's going to get diabetes if that's, you know, in their um, family line. Um, Mm -hmm. But I got pregnant when I, my body was in balance and I didn't have issues with, with my insulin and blood sugar. So he does not have that, that increased risk. Right. So um, I, like now I love to share with, with friends, like there's so much you can do years before that chapter to, um, yeah, just like work, the more you work on yourself, the better it's going to be for, for that chapter of your life. And like you're, you're building the foundation of the well-being for your child's well-being and, you know, your whole family, right? Like the healthier habits you build now around movement, diet, like it's, when you're pregnant and you have a kid, like you're already, you don't have a ton of capacity. So like trying to now build new habits is not easy. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you already have that as part of your life, that's going to be, it's just like, it's a no brainer, right? It's just kind of like how you already live. So, um, yeah, I think I would just encourage everyone to prioritize their own holistic well-being and, and start improving in, all those facets, your emotional well-being, your, you know, your spiritual connection with yourself, your nourishment, like really doing the things that make you feel good and in alignment are, that's going to be the best investment um, and insurance into that phase and that transition in your life. Like, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who someone was, you know, it's like, we can spend all this money on insurance or, um, you know, of course, depends what country you're in, you know, around giving birth. And sometimes that's covered by the government. Sometimes it isn't, you know, so you can have all this insurance maybe, or you think like, okay, I have to have it like for Nairobi as an example, you have to just like out of pocket, maybe have these, if you end up going for a C-section, you're going to pay for that, you know? So, but really like you want to now do the things you can to prevent that from happening. And there's so many things that are connected to your own well-being that would actually just prevent that. So that that's always the best insurance, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, if that's that's kind of a bit of a long answer, but those are the different thoughts that came to mind. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because you're going to be the environment that this other being is going mm-hmm. to start their journey here on mm-hmm. this earth plane. So it's important that the environment is healthy because then all the nutrients and everything that are going into that being is then going to, to aid in that development. And the other piece I like to encourage people is, um, you really, you're as much as you can, I would give yourself a lot of time to get off any kind of synthetic birth control or hormones Mm -hmm. because your natural cycle is going to tell you where you're at. So, um, you know, for some women, they come off it, their body stabilizes quite quickly and they conceive totally, you know, quite quickly. Others, their 
um, certain, a lot of times synthetic hormones can actually give you hormonal imbalances. So you come off Mm -hmm. it and your body can be really, really, really high in estrogen because your body doesn't know how to make progesterone anymore. Cause that's really how it's working is you're being flooded with synthetic progesterone. So your body now has to learn how to make it. Um, and because mm-hmm. it's going through that learning curve, it's really low and then estrogen can shoot up and then high estrogen in the body is linked with fibroid, it's linked with endometriosis, it's linked with cancer, it's linked with so many different challenges that women have and a lot of symptoms like excess weight and um, you know, a lot of period pain and, you know, all these things. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the times one of the struggles is, you know, you want to give yourself a lot of time between that because one of the causes of miscarriages is low progesterone because you need that in your body to support Mm -hmm. the healthy development. So I, you know, I've talked to a lot of women that have been through the heartbreak of multiple miscarriages and it is so, so heavy. Like it makes me so emotional mm-hmm. even like talking about it right now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if like, of course, like we talked about, there's things that are out of our control, but there are certain things that we can maybe, um, do to decrease risks and that kind of thing. If we just had a bit more awareness of these different areas. Right. So I, I always encourage friends or whoever or clients you know give yourself that time to I just say like the sooner the better to come off it because it for some people it takes years to balance their body and to get Mm -hmm. their natural cycle back and for some it's like a couple changes or just time and then and then it's there but your cycle will really help if you learn how to understand it you'll see okay am I ovulating or not okay do I have like you know between the period of my ovulation and my and my bleed like how long is that luteal phase? If it's too short, that usually shows you have really low progesterone or if you're getting like brown spotting. Um, so your cycle is like your period's like a report card. So like that's a beautiful mm-hmm. tool of if you're just masking, if you're on anything, you're masking what's actually going on and then you can't address mm-hmm. it. So um, that is actually, it's, it's hard and it's challenging, but that's a beautiful gift and that's how we're going to get more balance. And um, that's going to the more balanced your body is before you get pregnant, then that's going to have a much easier, like smoother pregnancy, less symptoms. And then that all snowballs, like the pre your body before getting pregnant, getting pregnant, and then how you are during pregnancy, that all snowballs to the birth. And then that's all connected to like your child's well being, and then not having so much like stress and like being tired during postnatal because like, if your baby came into the world in a traumatic way, your child always thinks things are at risk, um, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, if your child was separated from you at birth and you didn't get to mm-hmm. have your child on you right away, that really can disrupt the ability to like get your milk going right away. And that can disrupt like, the mm-hmm. bonding process. Then you're stressed because your baby's not latching and then it's hard to feed them and you're not getting a milk supply. Like all those things can like just be so stressful and hard on women. So like, that's why I, I love to win, educate like as much as like, it's never too late. Just like start now, start prioritizing your well-being now, because that's so interconnected to saving yourself from a lot of unnecessary pain and struggle in the future. Um, mm-hmm. And then on that note, if anyone's interested, I'm not sure when this will come out, but um, this is a topic I obviously you can probably hear from my voice. I find so fascinating and I love to share about. So I'm going to be Mm -hmm. offering a free webinar soon about 
during pregnancy um, and birth, like how to prepare yourself for that postnatal phase and to prepare yourself for birth and the things like just like simple things that we should know. But like I said, women get so caught up in that information overload. And um, because I had that blessing of that time of my own journey to go through that and know which resources and what information is important and, you know, just to share the things that are the most important to, to know and to spend on and um, just to share about that. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, then they can get in touch with me if that's something that they would want to um, get a recording of or, or, or I'm not sure when it will be live, but or to join that. Um, mm -hmm. if there's, if I can keep sharing more, um, insights that can be helpful for women. Yeah, please. If you have, um, if you end up having the link, I can definitely mm -hmm. include it in the show notes and I'll also include your sure. contact information so people can reach mm -hmm. out to you. Um, something that I recently heard that I found very fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I brought this up in the previous mm -hmm. episode or not, but, um, it, they were talking about um, when you're planting seeds, like for your garden, to put the seed in yeah, your mouth. You did mention this. Um, yeah. And then someone yeah. built on that and they talked mm -hmm. about how um, when a child is feeding from its mother, it, it works me. the same way. The saliva. Oh, did you, yeah, did you say that's, this? That, that's the conversation we had in episode one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <We're in part laughs> one. Well, I heard it a second time in another podcast. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, so, it's even more. Yeah. I didn't make yes. that sense. <laughs> yeah. No, about the, like the saliva and, um, and it basically giving like a signal of like what the baby needs. So then the ma like the the milk then produces more of that. Is that how that works? They didn't really go in depth in it. Yeah, I also I haven't been refreshing it in a while, but my memory was like it's actually like the reason babies are so adorable and kissable and they have those beautiful big cheeks is like when like you kiss the baby, that's like your body's like the mom's body is like reading like what's happening. I can't remember if they use the term like, um, oh. like antimicrobial or I don't know, like like the microbes or what's going on. So like it's kind of like uh -huh. detecting like, oh, could they be developing some kind of like, are they getting a cold? Or, so it's like the then and that sending a signal to the body of like this is what it oh. what the what baby needs in the breast milk. So like yeah. it's actually through like kissing the baby apparently that that's like oh. the biofeedback of. Um, now knowing like how the breast milk should change to best like boost the baby and it's interesting like just the other week I had a cold and I had it for probably five or six days and he had it for like two days um wow. so really quick so like I think yeah just like breast milk yeah. is really really healing and magical like we talked about yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> cool um so the other thing I thought would be really cool to share is um, one other amazing aligning thing was my midwife. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I had such an amazing midwife in Nairobi. And it's so crazy because Nairobi is quite westernized in some mm. senses. So, like, home births are typically viewed as like crazy <laughs> so like 
in you know more rural parts of Kenya and other parts of Kenya, um, you know, it would be maybe common that people are are, are you know having more of a natural non-hospital kind of birth um mm-hmm. but um yeah in kind of the cities like the regard is that like yeah there's a lot of misconceptions and that you know home births are not safe and that's like dirty mm-hmm. or it's not um you know not advanced and you know that kind of thing so there's actually like there at the time when I can when I um had met with my my neighbor who was the midwife but she um she wasn't currently practicing. She wasn't Kenyan and her partner wasn't in the country anymore. And they used to work together. And she herself was also, I think maybe six or seven months pregnant at the time. So she, you know, wasn't, wasn't Mm -hmm. taking on so that she wasn't going to be an option. So she referred me to um, a woman named Lucy, who, who is, is literally the only like practicing midwife in all of Nairobi for home births. So there's only one. And um, at the time, I think I was probably maybe around three months pregnant. I was trying to like um, understand, okay, should we stay here and give birth or should I go back home to my hometown in Alberta in Canada Mm -hmm. and give birth there? And then the mind was of course getting so confused because like I have insurance in my home province. So it's like, it's free. Birth is free. But in Nairobi, like you, yeah, you have to pay. Um, for like, and it's like, you know, if you end up needing to go for a C-section, that could cost like between three to $5,000 US, you know, it's, it can be really, really expensive to to be in the hospitals there. So, you know, of course the mind has maybe fears of the risks and the money and all those Mm -hmm. things. And so, and it's really complicated because it's like very systematized. So, um, how it works, um, in my province was like, there's a kind of like a lottery list. So you have to like put your name in because there's only so many midwives and so there, there can be more demand of midwives than there is supply so mm-hmm. you have to like very early on in your pregnancy like say you want a midwife and then like hope you're going to get matched mm-hmm. um it's kind of how it worked so um I did that but then it was super complicated because um first off I wasn't like sure we'd be able to go because I, I a hundred percent knew, okay, I would rather stay and give birth with my husband than go home without him to give birth because mm-hmm. my husband is not Canadian. So he would need a visa. And it was like during, you know, COVID time where there was a lot of strict measures. So we had mm-hmm. applied for him, but we weren't sure if it would get rejected or accepted. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really commit to her, but then it, like she needed me to kind of commit but then so we had you know I had had a um like a first appointment with her and it just did not feel right so like logically it made sense like because the system also in Nairobi they don't really regard very midwives very well and so the hospitals and the midwife don't have a good relationship Mm -hmm. whereas um so it's not very integrated whereas in my hometown like the midwives and the hospitals talk to each other. Like if, if they, you need to go, like the, the, the midwife is allowed with you. Like, you know, there's no um, tension or misunderstanding, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they cooperate more. So, you know, there was, so there was all these logical reasons of like why I should go home and, you know, like my family's there, like all those kind of things. But I just really, she just made me feel stressed. Like it felt, the appointment felt really rushed 
and um, kind of like very like medical terms because like midwives, there's such a spectrum of mid- midwives. They have different approaches and different beliefs and different ideologies and different like requirements, um, you know, all these different things. So anyway, I just, it really, I, I learned to trust more of my feelings than like what's logical or analytical or from like my overthinking self. So I just knew that that didn't feel like a good fit. And then when I met um, Lucy, like, just like a kindred spirit, like she just made me feel Mm -hmm. like just so relaxed and like, Mm. just, yeah. And then what was amazing, like in that book that I had read was like, one of the most important things about birth is you Mm -hmm. need to be relaxed. Birth is literally Mm -hmm. like pooping. Like it's, it is like, that's what the books talks about because it was saying how your cervix is a sphincter, right? Like, so the anus is a sphincter. So like Mm -hmm. you need to be relaxed for that to open up. So like Mm -hmm. my number one advice for any pregnant woman is like whatever kind of environment or people that are going to be around you as Mm -hmm. much as possible, like think about what will help you relax the most. So like Mm -hmm. someone coming in and out of a room and like strange nurses and like, unfortunately, like I have a friend that gave birth in Kenya and like nurses would yell at her and tell her to not make noises. Like that is like the most stressful opposite thing. You're not going to relax. It's going to prolong your labor by a very long time. Right. Mm -hmm. So any, whether you choose to have a doctor, a midwife, um, a, a doula on your own, you know, there, I don't think there's a right way or wrong way, but like, just choose what makes, what's going to help you relax and not be stressed. Mm-hmm. And so like, I just knew that that other midwife made me feel rushed and like just stressed. So she was not mm-hmm. a good fit. Um, what's yeah. the difference between mm-hmm. a midwife and a doula? Because I've heard, I have the same there. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had the exact same question. Um, um, I think of course, same thing, there's a spectrum, but in general, the mm-hmm. understanding I came to and what, at least in, from, uh, so I had both, I had a midwife and a doula and what mm-hmm. they shared with me, how they worked was, um, the midwife has more like medical training. So she, oh. she herself had like used to work in a hospital. Um, okay. and so her, but her main role was really about monitoring, you know, like is baby's heartbeat okay? And, you know, like, you know, more of that and really like, yeah, like understanding those nuances, like the heartbeat and, you know, what, and like the, like knowing like the position of the baby, the risks, like that kind of um, area around pregnancy and birth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the doula is really like supporting um, the, the mom, the mom to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, as well, my doula supported like, my husband as well you know it's like really like supporting the birthing process so like Mm -hmm. um and some and some doulas um can help like you prepare for pregnancy some are present at the birth some are focused more on the postnatal phase like really helping that mom with like mine was amazing and helping like with like that but my breast like the 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 the, my, my milk came in smoothly breastfeeding went in smoothly I didn't have like the pain of like a cracked nipple like she helped me know tips around that um so I think some doulas maybe lean towards maybe one of those or some do all of it or some like a combo so I think it depends like some doulas might work more just on the postnatal or some might want to work with a woman throughout all those stages 
where some might just want to be present like and, and supportive of like the birthing process like you know because mm -hmm. the midwife is maybe focused on like the mom's well-being and the baby's well-being but maybe not able to like help massage the woman's back or like help her know about breathing or like go get her a snack you know like those kind of things mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and like I said of course it can take different shapes or forms um mm -hmm. yeah um so I just loved like her energy we vibed she would come mm -hmm. oh the most amazing thing she would come to my house so like I didn't have to go to a doctor's office and wait for mm -hmm. who knows how long and especially in Nairobi mm. it's like I said of course it's different in every city but in Nairobi I have my friends that gave birth and went for the traditional gynecologist appointments sometimes you wouldn't get an actual time so you'd have to just go in the morning and like wait it was like a like you're just on like a wait list and sometimes they'd be there for hours mm. and like first off two of the most important things while you're pregnant is to be fed and not stressed. <laughs> and like, okay, traffic is stressful. You're taking time off work. You were waiting in a doctor's office. You probably mm -hmm. haven't packed enough food for that whole time. And then you're so mm -hmm. rushed. You get in there, you get to spend five minutes with them. You don't get to ask questions. Then you have to leave and then go in the traffic again. Mm -hmm. Like that is not a fun day. That is not good for a mother, a, an expecting mother's body, right? Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate that that's, you know, but like there's very few, maybe very well-regarded good gynecologists. So then they're very popular. So they don't, you know, mm -hmm. they have a lot of patience, right? Um, yeah, so for me it was the opposite. She would come and we would just like chat sometimes for two hours, drink kombucha, hang out in my garden. She would like, and she was so sweet. Like she would, as soon as she came to my belly, she'd be like, hello baby. And like feel his position. Like she just, <laughs> like she like was showing love to him from the very beginning. Um, mm. You know, the appointments were never, she never made me feel rushed. I could ask her so many questions. I was in the safety and comfort of my own home. Um, you know, she would do everything like check my blood pressure, check, you know, check the position, all those things. Like I would pee in a cup. It was so cool. And she would like check like check I don't remember what the point of it was but like she would like yeah make like sure the levels all the levels all the levels were looking mm -hmm. normal and good and nothing was alarming and like I remember one appointment we were in my garden and I'm like lying on the bench and she's checking my belly and like there was like monkeys above me so I'm like how like I never could have thought like I would be this would be my experience while I'm pregnant you know I just you assume when you're pregnant the only way that can look is like you in a doctor's office Mm -hmm. right so that was just so cool as well like having that home mm -hmm. and having her come to it um mm -hmm. yeah like I'm like you know I, I really had minimal scans done like I didn't I like I said it was more that energy of trust so I didn't feel like I need to go get a scan done all the time and check and a lot of the times I learned some of those scans like it's really normal for babies to be like breached like where their feet are down and their head is up like and then quite a bit like later near the end is when they'll flip. I can't remember exactly like around which week that can be normal. But like sometimes, like I think I, I went for a scan. Um, I can't remember how many months I would have been. Maybe like six or seven. And I don't think he had flipped yet. And like for them, they wrote this big thing of like breach. But like it's really not a big deal. Like, he, you know, like he like ended up flipping like a couple weeks later like where mm -hmm. his head was down, you know, and I didn't even need to know a scan because like he would hiccup. I could feel his head down. I could feel him hiccuping 
you know, like I knew he was down, like, or like, she just taught me how to feel like, if you like know, like the movements, like I could feel when he was kicking and know like, oh, that's his knee or that's his foot. And like, oh yeah, I feel a hiccup. His head is down. So like, I think sometimes as well, it's easy to get caught up in like, I have to go to so many scans, but then that can cause a lot of like unnecessary fear or worry. Mm -hmm. Um, And exactly like one of the worst things for you while you're pregnant, one of the worst things for you or your baby is stress. So like, Mm -hmm. don't cause yourself unnecessary stress by like overdoing something. And some, I read somewhere that some of this, like these really advanced now, like 3D scans where you like see the face of the baby, like it's actually really like traumatic. Like, like it's not like when you're getting the ultrasound done, like uh, I can't remember if it's the noise, like there's something like it's pretty disruptive to the baby. So like, Mm -hmm. um, I think people don't maybe have that awareness or understanding, but like, we don't need to be doing, you know, back in the day, people didn't do anything. They're just like, at some point they're like, Oh yeah, I have an MRI period. Oh, okay. I'm pregnant. Okay. Like, (laughs) no, they didn't need to go check up on the baby every week. Like, you know, some of those things I think actually can cause more stress and fear and, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I didn't really have a lot of scans to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just like, like I said, like a pretty, like, and I didn't, I like I mentioned before, I didn't really have any symptoms. Like it was just a really like beautiful, mm-hmm. smooth pregnancy process. And like I said, like the midwife was a huge part of that for making me feel so comfortable and relaxed. And like I could ask her a lot of questions. So like as I would read my book or listen to podcasts, I would just like write down questions. Then when she'd come, you know, for the appointments, then I could ask her like. Um, you know, so depending on the person, like some people maybe wouldn't have that relationship with their doctor if that's the, the route that they're choosing. Mm-hmm. But I really think a, like do, a doula would be amazing to support someone through that because it's really good to have someone to ask those questions and not get like overwhelmed by the Google search results. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the piece with getting like all the scans and yeah. uh, I kind of I thought about how that could be coming from a lot of like the mind wanting to know what exactly is happening mm-hmm. is everything yeah, okay sure. um yeah. especially if it's Control the first child yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um especially with like the first time someone experiences mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. the mind doesn't have any previous experience to go off yeah. of so mm-hmm. everything is just so uncertain and we know that that's kind of where mm-hmm. the mind gets really scared because it wants to know like some mm-hmm. solid um answers to questions mm-hmm. so um I think what you're saying like if I can add on to that like mm-hmm. the intention going into the pregnancy around the mom like the the intention of everything and just trusting that your mm-hmm. body knows that mm-hmm. you Definitely. know Um, I I think like that's like the biggest piece is empowering yourself because Mm -hmm. we're literally from so young, we're taught Mm -hmm. to always look for the answers outside of us. And so it removes that trust in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And now we're kind of learning to regain that. So right, right, right. Yeah. And it's like, you're so in your exactly scans are like, you're so in your head and just like, yes, looking at the data when it's like, get, get, yeah, it's like, learn, like, an amazing thing that will prepare you for birth is getting into your body more, right? So like mm-hmm. following what feels aligning, right? Whether that's in like what you feel like eating during your pregnancy or like movement is a huge thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just simple things are like being on the bouncy ball, like I said, doing stairs, going for walks, like all those things help to put the baby's head in position and encourage your baby to be mm-hmm. down. 
So like there are certain things that they know that can help reduce the risks of babies, you know, being breached. Um, and a lot of it actually has to do with like your first birth. Um, you know, there are things if you have um, that can like, inc like, oh, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting exactly the, um, yeah, if you don't, like if, depending on how the first birth goes and how you heal, like that can either mm -hmm. reduce or increase risks for the future for, for um, your baby to um, breach or not and everything like that. Um, so, um, yeah, like, like I said, like sometimes just like feeling into your body more could actually maybe be better energy spent right then mm -hmm. um, maybe getting so caught up in the scans but if you listen to how your body wants to wants to move and support you and what do what your body's growing so magically right um mm -hmm. yeah and then speaking of the wisdom of the body so i think yeah i mentioned how i i didn't have any kind of morning sickness or day sickness um, mm -hmm. I had some funny cravings, I think I mentioned, mm -hmm. and like my <laughs> breasts were super tender and sore at the beginning. It was a sign I was expecting that I did not realize. But um, so I actually, I only vomited once the entire nine months. Wow. And what had happened was um, I was, I think I had gone inside to grab something and I was going down our stairs um, and I fell and I felt pretty bad. Like I like really scuffed up my knee and I was... I was pretty far along at that point. I was probably seven or eight months pregnant. And oh, I think wow. like, um, like I, it's like, you know, like when you, you go years without falling, right? And so like when you fall, you're like, whoa, you know, like it's like, it's really, it, it's like kind of like scary and jarring and traumatic yeah. to the body, right? So I felt so sick. Like I just like, I stood up and I kind of was like blacking mm. out. And luckily my husband heard and like came and brought a chair and put my leg up. Cause I really like had hurt my knee and I really like twisted my ankle quite bad. It was, got, it was quite swollen mm. for a while. Um, but I think like, and as soon as like, I, you know, caught myself, like I like grabbed my belly and I was like, I was like, mm. we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. You know? Cause I was like, I don't know. He, he could have felt that, you know, that was a yeah. scary moment for him too um and then I just like started blacking out and I got so hot and I just like threw up oh wow and like that was your I body releasing exactly so like yeah. I realized that was my body releasing that trauma of like mm -hmm. you know just like that yeah the trauma of like the the, the the scary moment of that that fall and it was like so beautiful and serving of my body to do to just be like mm -hmm. nope you don't need that and just like threw it yep. up um <laughs> and it was crazy because it made me remember um like a, like maybe years ago when I it was before I was in Kenya I was living in um or I don't know just maybe a couple years before maybe like two or three years before I was on a work trip and there was um, a man that like sexually assaulted me during a work meeting. He like inappropriately touched me and I just didn't see it coming because like I was mm -hmm. in a work meeting with other coworkers and like, it was like mm -hmm. during a photo opportunity, like who, someone was taking photos. So from behind he, you know, very inappropriately was doing that. And I just froze because it was so unexpected. Like you feel like you're mm -hmm. safe with your coworkers and in a work meeting. Right. And when I got back to the hotel, my body was like gagging and I had no clue what was going on because at the time I didn't understand like that your body can serve you in that way and that, 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 that's the 
connection. So when that happened, it made me realize like, oh my gosh, the body's so beautiful. Like it, mm-hmm. that's how it helped me release that negative experience and that negative energy was like, I was like dry throwing up and like, blah, you know, like getting rid of that. Um, yeah. But even though at the time I didn't have that understanding around um, the way the body can release and serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, it was just a beautiful like, Mm. reminding me of just trusting my body like you talked about which is the other big component of birth right is your body Mm. was designed for this um so Mm. getting more into your body and less into the stories of fear and less into the Mm. mind and because your mind can't do it your mind can't birth your baby like there are there are so many accounts of women that actually give birth. I heard this, that a lot of women can give birth, even like I have a friend that's a nurse and on a ton of podcasts, they mentioned this and even in books that women, there's accounted accounts of women giving birth when they're in comas because it's just the body, you know, the mind is off, but the, the body is like wow. ingrained in you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's so cool that it can do that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right yeah um i love for you to share about your birthing process and any uh, pieces that were really highlights and anything that also you've learned through the process um i know you just shared about the importance of being relaxed and um (laughs) this always makes this makes me think of i had this uh aha moment where Mm, i realized uh like the breathing i i don't know what they call it um but it's like before yoga was very popular and uh there was like a class that women would go to lamaze lamaze yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and i real i made the connection one day on a walk like oh mm. that's why that is effective because it's breathing it's relaxing the body and um like going with the rhythm so yeah (laughs) yeah no I'd love to um yeah so basically preparing for the birth what I learned is like it's really getting into that space of like allow and surrender and letting go of expectations Mm -hmm. so even though I knew I you know I was preparing for a home birth um you know my midwife was going to come um, you know, and it was interesting. There's, um, I'd never heard this term before, but as I started, you know, learning more about, you know, cause I, I, as I shared in the first episode, I didn't know I was going to become a mom, you know, it was an mm-hmm. unexpected blessing and surprise. So it wasn't until that time that I started learning more. Um, so I had, you know, I'd heard of people that did home births with midwives, but I didn't know there's also a term called free birth. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have. I don't know what it is, but I have heard the term. Yeah, it basically means like you're not, you're just doing it on your own. So you wouldn't have a midwife or a doula even. It's just like either the woman and her partner or maybe just even the woman on her own. It means like you don't have, you know, any kind of anyone else there. You're just doing it freely Mm -hmm. on your own accord. Um, But yeah, so um, for me, I hadn't even heard of that till later, but I, yeah, to me, it felt like a, I, like I said, I really felt it was aligning and flow for that midwife to be part of my birthing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, she also, um, referred me to, um, the doula that also was a part of it. So it was just the doula, um, the midwife and my husband that were present for the mm-hmm. birth. Um, 
And yeah, so even though I, you know, I want, I, I, I was excited for a home birth experience, I still had to accept and come to peace with, if I have to end up at a hospital, that's okay. Like I didn't, I didn't have the fear that that was going to happen. And, but I didn't have the attachment of like, you know, if I don't have a home birth, like, you know, and then the, the, the worry and the stress around that, because I knew the stress, the stress was the worst thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did, um, I didn't really feel it was necessary, but like, like I said, it's all about not having stress. So it would have been stressful for my husband, um, to like, to not have an ambulance on standby. So we decided to do that because I knew like he's in the room. Like I don't want him to feel stressed. Mm-hmm. So that will come back on me. So we decided to have an ambulance on standby, but I really just knew like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to learn to let go of all expectations. And I trust, like I trust the timing and I trust whatever happens. So like, it's really crazy because when you're preparing for birth, for birth, it's really hard because you have to just accept uncertainty of like, maybe it will be very short and quick or maybe it will be long maybe like you don't know like what's gonna happen and even like Mm -hmm. I have a a beautiful friend as well that just gave birth and she um her she's she has four children and she gave birth to two naturally at home and then two ended up having to be c-section and she really didn't want was really hoping that just this recent child wasn't going to be a c-section either because mm-hmm. it's um it was a lot harder for her to heal from that um mm-hmm. but it, it um there was quite a bit of like concerning color when her water broke um that that was a bit alarming and then even like her midwives were advising like uh, a c-section and so she you know she even like reconciled and had peace about that you know and so yeah just like no matter what the birth ends up looking like, the most important things are that peace and trust. So it's really hard because of course there's maybe certain ways we envision the birth and want it to be, but like in the moment, whenever things happen, like coming back to yourself and coming back to that trust of like what, you know, not being attached or clinging or having that kind of energy. Um, So, you know, preparing in that way is going to look different for everyone. It's, it's part of a spiritual journey. Right. Um, but you know, for me, those sessions really helped me get to that place of like trusting uncertainty and being okay with expectations and letting go of that kind of control. And just, it's like, it's the same practice as when you're starting to do an inner voice session or any kind of way you're trying to connect spiritually within yourself, you have mm-hmm. to like get really present, right. You're mm-hmm. just like letting, you know, you're not letting yourself think about the past or the future you know, what's next, or, you know, it's just you're allowing yourself to be present. And of course, that breathing, that deep breathing really helps you get out of your head and into your body and putting your attention or your focus in like deep into your body, whether that's in your heart or your gut or a place that resonates within you, but like deeper than your head. Or for me, I've noticed I kind of have to like make the left side of my head really light. Like I notice like the left brain, you know, that's the part that's like more analytical and logical like I have like I like focus on making that part of my brain feel really like light and soft and then I like kind of open up my right side of my brain where like that's where I receive more like connection to the divine and like but I feel it within me so it's like yeah like we all kind of will feel into a different way within their own your own body you know how do you 
let go of that surface part of you and just be present and allow and surrender. So like having done that, whether that's through meditation or any kind of modality, right, that really helped me then with birth, because it's the same thing where it's like, you just have to be present and allow and not resist because the more resistance you have is the more tension that you have in your body. The more tension, the more you can't open up, the more prolonged your labor is going to be and more painful. So like I, it, the contractions, um, I do believe some, for some women, they don't experience birth pain. I, I've heard women share that, that that was their experience. So I do believe it's possible. They do. Of course it's the, very the minority and I didn't have that experience like the contractions were very intense they did feel you know like I'm discomfort and pain in my body but like um Mm -hmm. yeah it's like you kind of have to learn like that they're to not resist it because that's just going to be like I said like causing more tension in the body and the other thing that really helped was like as those contractions were building up, it was not viewing them, like resisting them as like, oh my gosh, this pain, I don't want it, I don't want it, you know, like, you know, or thinking like, I need, I need some kind of, you know, um, type of painkiller or something to get through it, right, but like, that's resisting, but for me, it was actually, how can I view them as serving, right, so basically what I learned, what a contraction is, is like, it's, it's like, your uterus is contracting to like push the baby's head down or to push whatever position it is and to push baby down and out. So it's like, and as that's happening, as baby's being pushed down, it's actually helping to shrink your cervix because your cervix while you're pregnant becomes this like thick plug and it has to now, because it's like holding the baby in and now with birth, it has to like shrink down to paper thin so baby can come out. So I would actually like picture that like during contractions, like, oh, like my cervix is shrinking so that I would view them as like, this is serving, not negative or harmful. And that's actually bring, or some people think of like a wave and like bringing baby closer to you, you know, this, so you can use visualization or just like anything that you view them as not like a negative thing that you want to now like push away right it's like you got to go through it um to get out of it so going through it um and then so for my experience he came around 39 weeks so he came about a week yeah he came a week earlier than the guest date right because they give you a due date but it's really a guest date (laughs) um you know baby Mm -hmm. can come in a window Mm -hmm. um so and I don't know why, but I think in my head, I just had this idea like, oh, he's going to come after 40 weeks. I just like assumed he was going to come a bit late because I'd heard in some places like first time deliveries tend to come a bit after 40 weeks, usually a bit Mm -hmm. later than earlier. So I just had that in my head and I was not ready. I legitimately like Mm -hmm. I did not have a like a change mat for him. (laughs) I didn't have diapers yet. I didn't have like. And of course, in my head, I had pictured this like perfect birth. So I had like worked till the Monday, Tuesday, I went and did like a bit of shopping because I was doing a home birth and I had to get like, like I had to get like, or no, I think it like those like pee pads almost like for dogs, you know, because that's like Mm -hmm. what you put down and I needed to get, you know, like a bunch, like you bleed after you give birth. So I needed to get things Mm -hmm. for, for that and just other things. So I'd gotten some things that I needed, a bit of shopping but I couldn't get all the shopping done. 
And then the next day, I think I had, yeah, I had a prenatal massage because my butt, you hold so much tension. So like uh, that massage really, really helped and helped my body actually get really relaxed. And then that day I did a ton of stairs because there was no one to help with the gate. And like I said, we had like 80 stairs. So basically being so relaxed and then doing that many stairs, I think actually induced my labor because that can happen. Um, mm. Yeah. So like if you're doing like a ton of walking, ton of stairs um, and like being in a really relaxed state, like releases that oxytocin hormone and that's what can spark labor is oxytocin. Um, and that's actually why some people um, find like intimacy can spark labor because like that's actually what's happening during labor. The contractions is actually being induced or being sparked by um, the release of oxytocin, which is the love hormone, which is so cool. Oh. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So that's like connected with like relaxation and, and love. Um, mm-hmm. So my mind was like, my mind started for like a minute being like, oh my gosh, like, could this really be that, like, is this it? Because, you know, I would start, I was starting to get the contractions, but I knew as well, you can get contractions and they can stop. Or you can get, like, um, what they call Braxton Hicks, or it's, like, you can start feeling things, but then, like, that's actually, like, nothing's happening till like, next week or the week after. So you really don't know. Even when you start feelings, like, and it's new, especially as a first-time mom, you're, like, I don't know what that feeling is. Is that baby's head starting to get more in position? Is that a Braxton Hicks? Is that a contraction? And I'm going to go into labor soon. Like you have no clue of the timing. Mm -hmm. And like, so just like getting out of your head of like, okay, maybe it's today. Maybe it's next week. (laughs) Right. So like really getting like accepting uncertainty, which is hard, but like that will, that's like, that was a huge piece for me. Um, so yeah, I started feeling those things and then rather than letting myself get into my head of like, but I don't have a freezer full of bone broth yet, but I don't have a change mat yet, but I don't have everything set up for the birth. Like I wanted to have like affirmations on like a string and like flowers in the house and coconut water. Like I had all these things that I knew would like be beautiful and supportive for me during labor. We didn't have any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to just kind of like, I just was like, okay, like, let's just see how things go. Mm -hmm. But yes, as the, so that was about in the afternoon that I started feeling new sensations and then they started escalating, escalating. And my, like my labor came on super, super, super quickly. So yeah, like that, I think I started feeling some sensations in the afternoon and then I gave birth to him at 4am. Um, but it was really intense. Like my contractions just escalated super quickly. Like they sometimes give you a formula of like five, one, one. And it's like your contractions are a minute long, five minutes apart. And I actually forget what the other one is about, but mine wasn't like that. Like I would just, I would start having, like, I started having them like three minutes apart, two minutes apart, like really, really quick, really fast. So I had to just accept like, like, it's okay. Like I didn't let my mind go into the stories of not having the things I thought I wanted or like I had, I was going to go shopping the next day and meet some friends. And I had like a pregnancy photo shoot on Sunday that I never got to have, you know, but I just like had to let go exactly and surrender and just be like, okay, I trust baby's timing. You know, if he's ready, he's ready. So he was ready. (laughs) He was very ready. (laughs) He came out super healthy. Like you would never, like he was on time. That was like, you know, that was his timing. And it's crazy, right? Cause like, I can't remember where, but yeah, I put on my radar, like, you know, the, there's so, so much of it is also your baby. Like your baby is working to get 
his or her head into the perfect position to work with you. So it's not just you, right? And so like whatever timing your baby is born, you know, that's connected to their personality and who they are and like the time they enter the world. So like trusting their autonomy and their timing, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was just like, okay, whatever time he's born is like, you know, it's not early or late, that's the right time for him. Um, so yeah, that was like, that also helped to just have that and just to let that go. Um, and he was born like seven pounds, 11 ounces. Like he was, he was, he had a full head of hair. Like he, he was ready. He, I, I joke, like I overnourished him. <laughs> Cause like I had a lot of like really healthy, like juice smoothies every morning and a really good whole food, like prenatal and everything. So I just like, yeah, he had so much hair. It was so precious. Um, yeah. So like it just escalated so quickly. Like we didn't, I, so we had a birthing pool and I also just, you know, I recognized maybe I'll be, you know, some women enjoy giving birth in the water. Some women don't need, sometimes won't know till the moment, like, mm-hmm. cause the water can really, the, the nice thing about the water in the tub is it can help relax you, right? Like when you're in the shower, that's why you want to pee. Cause like you, you relax, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so and, you know, of course, like that's what helps the body relax when you're having these intense contractions. But for us, it helped, it es- things escalated so quickly that I didn't, we didn't even have time to set up the birthing pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did already, though. I always had like hung up like a string of twinkle lights because I just love twinkle lights and they, they bring me joy. So that was beautiful, like that I still had because I really wanted twinkle lights at my birth. So I had twinkle lights. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, kind of how it happened was, you know, I started you know, feeling more sensations and then like it started becoming clear was escalating. They were becoming way much more frequently closer together. You know, I had been calling the midwife and keeping her up to date. And yeah, I got to the point where like, I think it was around 11 PM. I messaged my friends or like 1130. I was like, so I don't think I'm going to make it to brunch tomorrow. I think I might be going into labor. <laughs> um, so yeah, she had me, she gave me the advice of like, just like stay and try and sleep and rest until you can't because you know, labor is a workout. That's why Mm -hmm. during your pregnancy, like taking care of your body, taking care of your nourishment, moving, like, you know, it takes a lot of energy to bring a beautiful being into the world. So she really advised me, you know, like, you want to save up as much energy as you can, because you don't know how long your labor could be. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I got to the point, though, where I could not lay down anymore. So um, yeah, the other beautiful thing about giving birth at home was I could be so free, right? Like I, mm-hmm. in contractions, I would get so hot and so I would like rip my robe off. And then after, like, I would get so cold. So I put it back on. So like I could just be like naked and free when I needed to be. Like, I remembered hearing one podcast episode of a woman sharing her birth experience in a hospital where they kept trying to make her put her clothes on. And she was like, that was worse than the contractions and the birth. I just wanted to be naked and they wouldn't let me be naked. They kept trying to put clothes on me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that would be the warp. Like I just, it was, it felt so good to just be like naked and not yeah. care. Um, and your temperature is changing. So it was changing so much. So for me in mm-hmm. hindsight, I wouldn't have actually, I think, enjoyed the bath because it was escalating too quickly. And then I think the temperature probably would have felt like too hot or too cold for me at times. So um yeah and um 
that I could just be in whatever positions my body wanted to be in. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I, unfortunately, I, I think it, I think it's different here in Canada, but in Nairobi, there are certain hospitals that you are not allowed to give birth. Um, you have to give birth on your back. They force you, um, you know, which a lot of other, you know, back in the day in most cultures, if you give the woman the space to give birth, very, very, very rarely will she naturally ever choose her back because your pelvic mm -hmm. position is much smaller when you're on your back. So that's actually like mm -hmm. not giving the baby's head a lot of room. So most women just innately, intuitively following their body usually squat or um, some even on their sides. Or for me, I was almost in like, like child's pose. Like wow. my legs were super wide and I was up on like my arm, my, my, like on my hands and my wrists and like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, super wide legs and just like, yeah, that, that's just how my body wanted to give birth. So, um, yeah. So during, you know, during those contractions, what was really helping me was like, like I said, I had in, I had intended to have like a string of affirmations and words to prepare mm -hmm. me, um, to like refer to, but I didn't have time to make that. Uh, I think when I started feeling those new sensations, I wrote it a couple, but yeah, I just like would tell myself like during the contraction, like, and when that intensity and that pain was there, I would just like repeat, like allow, 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 or like trust, 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 or surrender, 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 surrender. And just like, you know, to help me not resist it. And like I said, picturing that cervix, like those things really helped, you know, because they escalated so quickly and for me to just allow my body to open up. So, um, you know, I opened up quite quickly. I was relaxed. Um, it was just me and my husband in my home. Um, and the other really beautiful thing, I watched a, a video once of a woman doing a home birth and she was saying to her baby, like, I trust you. And that mm -hmm. really resonated with me. So during during contractions as well, I would say that to him. I would say, I trust you, 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 I trust you. Um, so those things, I think, you know, having that kind of an energy rather than resistance, um, that really, I think, served me really well during, during labor. Um, and then it was so, it's so interesting because like, with the contractions, your key is to not resist them, right? That's what's going to help your cervix to open. And also, like, we never even checked. Like, I never checked how dilated I was. I never asked the midwife mm -hmm. to check my dilation. Like, I just trusted my body's opening up. Like, I don't need to know how many centimeters, right? And mm -hmm. what's interesting, like, I read and heard, you know, sometimes when women are, um, when you're they're checking your dilation, it can be kind of, for, it, can, it can be painful you know some nurses or doctors or gynecologists mm -hmm. um are doing it in a really rushed way some might do it in a way that's not painful but I, i've had a lot of women say it was really painful and it's disruptive right and then mm -hmm. it makes you tense up so it can actually like why are you checking it's just kind of like the scan it's like you're checking but then now like you're interrupting right like imagine you're trying to poop and now someone's like coming to check the size of your anus <laughs> like that's not helpful like yeah right? it's not helpful so I just like I don't want I don't need and like when we were like yeah I don't do that like there's no unless a woman really asks and wants it like so yeah I mm -hmm. never like needed to check how dilated I was I just knew like okay things are progressing so I don't need to like know those numbers that's not helpful mm -hmm. um yeah so then um like I said the piece of the 
contractions is to just anything to keep relaxing. Like you just, any kind of phrases that will help you to not resist. I think now in, I think if, um, like I said, I would love to um, have a second one day. And I think my new mantra will be, um, you're worth it, you're worth it, you're worth it. Mm. Um, I think that mm. that feels really good for me for another one. But yeah, just like whatever mantras, like that, that, that really helped or visuals or some people visualize like a flower opening up, you know, whatever it is, but like picturing mm. opening up or something mm. about opening up or like, um, like I said, like mantras or words that have meaning to you around spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then exactly. So the other big piece, like you mentioned is, is being really free with your breathing. So mm-hmm. I never did any like Lamaze classes or anything like that, or any breathing preparation because part of the inner voice training, um, mm-hmm. like is about just like using your breath to let go. And it's not about breathing in a particular way of like mm-hmm. counting, you know, the seconds or anything like that. It's really um, just like allowing yourself to make sounds and breathe. And um, especially when like any emotional, um, they call it like beanbags or any like if any emotions come up where it's like you need to have an emotional release. Mm. It's really about being free with your breathing, free with your breath, like your, your sounds and free with Mm -hmm. your body. So like when that emotion comes and you're out of your head, sometimes like, just like the frustration maybe that's pent up is like, I'll like shake my hands or like, I'd like moan. I'd like release some, an emotion through like moaning or wailing or like huffing or puffing or, you know, like, mm, like, it, you know, it almost sometimes sounds a bit like sexual or even like, like a whale moaning, you know, like, but just <laughs> anything that like lets you let go of any mental stories around like, Oh, I sound weird right now. Yes. Right. So it's like letting yourself, your body be free. Like sometimes like I would like my, my knee would be shaking or like my body would, it's like, cause you have this pent up. There's a really amazing um, YouTube video that explained it, how like there's a study of, or like, and, like you, they showed like a, an, even an image of it where I can't remember if we mentioned this in the first episode, but it was um, a polar bear was tranquilized. And then, um, you know, like it was like running and then being like, and then it got like shot at and tranquilized. And then after when it came to it, like, like was like pulsating and shaking Mm. because that was the animal's natural way to get rid of that adrenaline and that stress Mm. and that, you know, fear and right. Like that shouldn't be trapped in the body. So the polar bear is shaking it out. So that's what happens sometimes in sessions is like that pent up energy of those old emotions and things that need to be released is like you let your body be free and it will sometimes like your leg will shake or, you know, like sometimes you'll just want to sway. Like it doesn't matter. Just like letting your body be free to move and get that out how it wants to. Or like I said, sometimes through sounds or breathing. So having done so many sessions in the past, like that's the same thing in birth. You need to let your body be free and be so free with your sounds because it's so interesting. Like the more you're like, throat and your mouth and your jaw is clenched the tighter as well you are um in your cervix and in your like in that that chakra area right your sacral area so um that's why like during intimacy like 
women when they're starting to relax more and start to have more pleasure there's like moaning and sounds and that actually helps you like escalate it right and be more relaxed and have more pleasure and then that's like where you you know can start to even have that builds off into the point of even higher pleasure and, and, and climaxing right so it's the same thing during birth it's like the moaning the sounds the free breathing that is what opens up opens you up faster and will allow the mm-hmm. cervix to really shrink and then like there's no resistance and that opens up the body so um that was like crazy to learn when I was reading that book it's like like literally the kind of different breathing she mentioned was like the same that I I even heard my clients do or heard myself do where it was moaning or like even like ho- like they called it horse lips where you go like <clears throat> so like for me it's so natural like from those sessions like I've learned to just breathe however comes out without any inhibition without any judgment so like I made very free sounds and free breathing during my labor that my midwife and doula were like you birthed like this was like your third or fourth birth and it was my first (laughs) right so that's what I mean like any kind of thing that just helps any modality that helps with someone Mm -hmm. to be free in their body free with their throat free with their sounds free with their breathing Mm -hmm. It's not about like thinking about your breathing. It's just about like, like, you know, I would make like crazy sounds like, like, you know, just like different kinds of sounds, different kind of breathing where you're like breathing through the discomfort, breathing through the pain. Um. So yeah, so that was like the phase of the contractions. So then we get to the point where now um they call, oh man, what's the phrase again? Um... Wow, I'm forgetting the phrase. But basically, when the baby's head is crowning, or they, or they call it transition. Transition is like when you're, um, you know, so there's like early labor, and then active labor, and then transition is now when you're starting to feel the baby's head. Um, mm. So when that happened, so it's funny, because I was like, super connected to myself, super spiritual in, you know, yes, in pain, but like, not resisting it letting myself say these beautiful mantras and then as soon as like I started feeling his head I was like swearing I was like fuck 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 shit 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 it burns it burns it burns <laughs> so it's just really funny because I like completely switched but it's what I needed and it's what I was feeling and that's what needed to happen because it's intense like it was an intense sensation um and um so and then it like Oh, so also, like I said, my labor escalated so quickly. The midwife and doula didn't arrive until an hour, like less than an hour before he was born. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I thought they were there with you, like throughout all of this. No, no, just John was pretty much in it my, by, by myself. Like my husband was like trying to rest a bit and save his energy. And then he also like, you know, when he saw like I was, you know, things were really escalating. He like on our living room rug he put down like a blanket and then put down like a quadrant like four pieces of those like pee pads and that's like where I was just like sitting and breathing through and like feeling the contractions um wow yeah so, so they so we called yourself hmm. yeah 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 so like we called them and I mean they like um like I said things just escalated so quickly um so yeah um so they arrived Half an hour after they arrived, my water broke because I didn't realize this, but it's a really like most women's water actually breaks like quite 
soon before the baby is born. It's not like in the movies where it's like your water just like breaks. It's usually like you're having quite intense contractions and then it breaks. Um, it can mm-hmm. happen earlier for some women, but that's not like that's not as common. Um, yeah, so it's usually like when your water breaks, it means baby's coming soon. Mm. Yeah, so it's usually like quite quite towards the end. Um, mm. Yeah, so my water. Oh, and I loved my water breaking. So it felt, it felt, because, like, you had so much, like, intensity and all these contractions and, like, you know, it felt like a marathon. Like, so even though, like, maybe compared to other women's labor, so, like, if you're counting from active labor, which is also confusing because some women, when they tell you they're, like, my my labor was 20 hours or my labor was, you know, two hours, it's really, like... Mm-hmm. Are they talking about from early labor or active labor? Because mm-hmm. you can have contractions and then they can actually stop and like you can go to sleep and then they can start up again. Or some women have contractions for a really long time. Like it's, and then like some women are counting, they're maybe not counting from like, but te- usually it should be from like your, when you say that it should be from like when they're talking about active labor, mm-hmm. which is when it's more intense and frequent and those contractions are coming quite long and close, up, long and short apart. Um, so I asked my midwife how long my labor was and she said like two and a half hours, which is like really short, especially for a first, for a first time, for a mm-hmm. first labor. Um, yeah, so they arrived and my water broke half an hour later and um, it just felt like a balloon popping <laughs> in like a really pleasurable way because it's just like, you had like, it's just like, like a release right it's like literally like it's like a popping and a release and like yeah so that felt really cool Mm -hmm. um and some women have different experiences some people like some doctors break it for them um and maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. that's necessary but I think a lot some of the times it's not so anyway it's there's a lot around birth and sometimes things that take away women's freedoms and sometimes it's necessary Mm -hmm. but sometimes it isn't yeah and then um about like less than half an hour later is like when he was born so yeah so when I started feeling his head opposite of the contractions where it's like you don't want to resist I was really really grateful that the midwife and doula arrived for that because they really helped me in this phase because um what I experienced and learned about is something called the fetal ejection reflux have you ever heard that term before Mm -mm. I hadn't either so basically it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's that your body is birthing the baby. You don't need to do any mental effort, right? So um, you know how a lot of the times, like, people, like, doctors are telling women when to push? Yeah. You That doesn't really need to happen because, like, does, do you, do, does someone need to tell you when you need to push to poop? No. No, you feel it. It's a sensation. You're like, yeah, it's coming, right? <laughs> like, and it and it's exactly, it's not like the constipated type of, poop where like you're efforting (laughs) it's like the type where it's like this is coming and I have no control it's like vomiting right it's like it's just like it's like it's like exactly it's like called a reflux because it's yeah it's powerful like you know when you throw up it's like your body is powerful it's like surging so it's the same thing like my body was ready no one told me oh you're this dilated it's time to push Mm -hmm. it was my body was like this is happening. <laughs> so my body started pushing him out, like as if I was throwing up down south oh, is what it felt okay. like. So I asked my midwife later, like, why does that not happen to more women? Because a lot of the times they're told to push earlier 
if like the doctor didn't tell them to push, like if they just waited, their body would, they'd be in the, like they're, they're being told to push prematurely. And like, it's better to just wait till you cannot not push because it's exactly, it Mm -hmm. feels like you're like, like, it's like, you can't tell your body, okay, it's time to throw up. Right. It's like, it's an involuntary surge. It's an involuntary reflux. So that's the same thing. That's what the fetal ejection reflux is, is your body is ready to do that. However, that can get interfered with if you have like certain horm like synthetic hormones being flooded in your body by certain like induction. So it's like this this when we when we're giving natural birth, when you don't have any like induction or um, you know, other interference, that's mm-hmm. when you have like your body is flooding yourself with natural hormones to get you to that state. So a lot of it's kind of things we do actually like we're going against nature and going against like the way mm-hmm. that birth is innate and just for the body to do it for us. Right. It's almost like you're like a bit of a bystander. So, but at that phase, it's so powerful and so intense. It's like, now you kind of have to resist. Um, otherwise it's like an explosion. And then that's actually what can like um, cause women to have quite um, severe like tearing um can you you explain the resistance piece yeah so like almost like like it just feels like your body has so much power that like you almost need to like hold it back a bit (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so not necessarily like you're resisting but like it's so powerful it's like you want to ease like as much as you can you want to ease the baby out not push the baby out like your body is pushing but you want to try and ease the head out as much as you can but it's like you have this powerful surge in you so rather than like an explosion right like like when you think of when you poop it's not like wow everything comes out at once right it's like it's that it's that um influx of like um like starting to open a bit and then come back and then open and then come back. So the more you do that, then it can open a bit bigger, right? So it's the same with the baby's head. The baby's head is big and, you know, it's a small space the baby's head is coming out of. So it's not like you want to push the baby out in one go. It's mm-hmm. like you want it to slowly expand, but because your body is so powerful, the surge is honestly like, it's just insane. The surges that are happening um, it's like you're trying to be like, okay, I'm trying to ease it as much as I can. Um, and like that's where they that's where the midwife and doula actually had to like remind me to breathe because mm-hmm. it was like my body overtook everything. It was so much powerful sensations that like, um, yeah, like it's hard to describe, right? But um, so having them to remind me to breathe and try to ease, like ease him out as much as possible um, because like it's so intense. If, if like I didn't try to like, you know, have any awareness around that, um, mm-hmm. then it, it, it's like, I think then you can um, tear more easily. And like, I didn't really focus on certain, um, you know, there's a lot of amazing programs or different things out there that can really, that prepares you for that transition and for that, like to help minimize the amount of tearing or prevent it completely. And there's different things you can do. There's a lot of different things out there. I don't think I really spent a lot of time diving into that, but I think there are really helpful resources out there or things to try. 
Um, mm-hmm. um, cause so I did have a bit of a tear, like I had a little bit of a laceration and, um, like a bit of a first degree, but like some women can tear really bad. It takes a really long time to heal. And it's really painful because then after you've given birth, you know, you're sitting, you're trying to breastfeed and then there's like pressure, a lot of pressure, you know, on mm-hmm. that area. And, um, you know, it can also really like sting while you pee, you know, it's like, you're really tender down there after. So like mm-hmm. you, it's nice to try and prevent as much tearing as you can. Um, and what then like, it, so yeah, like I had to get stitched. I had to get stitched a bit after. What part is, is being torn exactly? Um, it can tear differently for different women, but for me, I think it was, it's more on like the, the labia. The labia minora. Okay. Yeah. Um, But like, um, yeah, it depends, like it depends on how extreme it is or, or sometimes they try to cut you, but like, I, like, I don't think a lot of the times I don't think that that's the best option. Um, Mm. Or like an episteotomy is where like they cut you from like hole to hole. Oh um, my gosh. Which is really, really, really think probably very hard and painful to recover from and heal that yeah um yeah so but anyway it's um yeah that's that's what that's what I meant by like it's you need really Mm -hmm. need like that that awareness of like breathing and like trying as much to ease it back and ease out that process even though there's so much such a powerful force happening at the same time that's like it's the most heightened intensity I've ever experienced in my life of that kind of sensation um mm-hmm. and it's like you feel like pressure on your bum hole like it's just insane like what you're feeling in that moment mm-hmm. um so yeah but um when he was coming out oh two things so I started feeling his head and um the midwife like said for me to touch his um to feel his head and it's like it felt so like bumpy because that's like their head is you know soft so it can come out um mm-hmm. and then um I felt all his hair it just felt weird I was like oh this feels weird um but I realized when I started to like notice that I was crowning like that my husband wasn't there and I was like where is like I call him I call him Jay I'm like where is Jay where is he where is he so he ironically had to go let the ambulance in so the ambulance arrived like like when when Zakai was arriving (laughs) at the same time um so yeah and apparently like the ambulance was saying like we've never like had to wait for such a short amount of time <laughs> um because it just happened so quickly um so yeah. yeah luckily of course I didn't know I'm like how like that how long when I start feeling the head how like how quick how soon or how not soon does it come out I had no clue so luckily like it was a couple minutes so my husband made it back um but yeah so then the next thing I knew, okay, so the, the head was felt like much slower and intense. And then the rest of him, so like once the head was, was, was through, the rest of his body coming out felt like, just like a like slimy, quick, like, like, yeah, it's just hard to describe. That's just what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and the next thing I knew was, um, oh, so it was really beautiful. So like I said, how my husband had put the kind of pee pads, you know, absorbent things down. I was starting in one corner and that's where my water broke. And then I like pivoted to the next corner. And then that's where I was like laboring. 
And then um, as soon as um, Zakai was born, I like leaned back on our couch and, and my husband was sitting there and his legs were like on either side on, you know, cradling me on both sides. And so it was so like, we didn't plan this, but it was just this beautiful flow of like the quadrants because then, you know, when you birth, you like, it's, you're so much like on your own, even though those people were there, like I, you're in your own world. And so mm-hmm. like, it felt like being like reunited with him a bit and like to have him like his legs around me and his like he was over me and I was like you know just like on the the last quadrant and baby was on my chest and he was like Mm -hmm. looking down on me and his son you know so like that was like such a beautiful magical bonding moment for our new family um Mm -hmm. you know rather than like he came out and was like with a stranger (laughs) right like he wasn't with a stranger um so yeah that was just a beautiful like but that's how we all got to sit and be together for the first time it was so, so, so special. Um, and then a couple days later, the midwife and doula came to check up on us and um, which was amazing to have that. Like, so they supported us even after, after the birth, which um, I think I, I wish for every woman. Um, and they did something so beautiful where they asked both of us to share our birth story. And even though like my birth was smooth, no complications was, you know, quite fast in comparison to some other women's experiences, it still felt like so in, like almost traumatizing just because it's so intense. And my mind was so like unclear of like what had progressed and what had happened. And then of course, as soon as you give birth, like now you have this beautiful baby, you need to sleep, you need to heal. And like, cause I had the laceration, it peed. Or so when I peed, it stung so bad. It was so painful for so long. Like, so like your body goes through a lot. Like it feels really for, I mean, I think for a lot of women, most it's the experience Like you feel really raw and like, just like there's so much adrenaline as well that you've had coursing through you and like sharing. So sharing that story and like for me to try to go back and like, relay the progression and the order of things and share my experience and just like we were just sitting in my kitchen and like you know we would share things and we would laugh and like interject and that was so therapeutic and healing I really I would advise anyone who gives birth like within the first week talk about it with whoever you can that was present or just someone you feel comfortable like to like Mm-hmm. that just like talking and trying to remember it and share what happened like was so therapeutic and healing and just like I could feel the energy like that adrenaline like fade and soften and then it was so beautiful as well hearing like my husband's perspective and then the midwife's perspective and just like mm-hmm. things that I had missed so I actually didn't realize mm-hmm. until three days after that I caught him I had no clue I caught him when oh, he was really? born yeah so I because I kind of blacked out like I felt the brrr, like blah, 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 and then he was on my chest so I just assumed either my husband or Lucy oh. had caught him yeah so it wasn't until we shared three days later that they told me that I caught him <laughs> <laughs> so like just like beautiful because like, like, like I said it's so intense thing, things happen so quickly like it's so easy to miss yeah. a detail like that which is a beautiful detail right so yeah. um yeah um the other like 
for anyone that's listening, I just want to like also share this piece of advice in case it can be helpful. Um, so yeah, after you've given birth, like you, you need to pee because like you, you've been focusing on other things that you probably haven't peed and your bladder is really, really full, but then it's really strange because you have to try and like relax, relax to pee, which is really hard. Cause it's like, you've been going through so much that you're, it's like really hard to, it was really hard for me to pee. So I finally get relaxed enough to pee, but then it stung so bad from um, the laceration and the tear. And like, I, 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 I'd gotten like stitched. Right. Um, so really what would have helped is like sitting in warm water. So um, like people advise, like you can use a peri bottle when you're healing down there, but like sitting in the warm water would really help. I wish I would have done that or had known to do that because that would help you relax enough to let go of your bladder. And then also that would like combat the stinging. Um, so yeah, um, that it, I've never had anything that was almost as painful as the birth. So like, if I can save other people from having to feel that stinging, <laughs> it's worth sharing. And then like for the rest of the days, like later I learned to be like pouring warm water as I, as I peed so that it didn't sting. Um, but yeah, like you've already been through enough, so you don't need to keep being in pain after, after giving birth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um I love I love my story and I feel so blessed to have it and um there were like a lot of other components um you know of like under having that time as well to prepare like I understood as well how to support even after baby's born you have a lot of decisions of like what to give them or not to give them in the hospital or in a home birth um you know a lot of people aren't aware that like you really shouldn't cut the cord or clamp the cord right away because there's still blood and oxygen and nutrients being given to your baby. So you Mm. don't want to cut them off from that. And that's really jarring. That's been connecting them to the mom for nine months. So to like rush and cut that off before it's shriveled, like you'll actually see the difference. Like when the, the umbilical cord is first out, it's quite thick Mm. and like you can feel it pulsating. Um, so mm-hmm. delaying that or, you know, people sometimes decide to not do it and wait till it falls off naturally, you know, it's up, up to the person's decision, but it's really in the benefit of your baby's health and well-being to, 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 to delay that. I don't think we cut it till about 45 minutes later. And also just to have that time to bond like with your baby and having the baby, having him on my chest, he, you, he started to look for my nipple, which is really really helpful to start the process of like getting your breast milk in because your breast milk sometimes doesn't come in um like it's not always there like it's you know it's not Mm -hmm. there waiting for you the day before you give birth (laughs) so it needs to get Mm -hmm. stimulated um so like I like my milk came in really quickly really easily we didn't have any issue with him feeding. Whereas I know like I had a friend who like her daughter wouldn't feed for the first couple of days, which is really stressful and hard on moms. Right. So like mm-hmm. getting your baby to come to your chest right away as much as they can. Right. Like there's probably a few situations maybe where the baby can't, and there needs to be some monitoring of something, right. If, if there's a lot of alarm around the baby's heartbeat or, you know, some very, very small situations, but most of the time, baby should directly come to mama's chest um right and um yeah so not cutting the cord until at least it's like starting to shrivel up and not pulsate anymore um 
Yeah. And then there were just a lot of, we won't get into it, but there were a lot of other beautiful aligning things that came and mm-hmm. flowed for me to, um, to be healing after, because like you, there's a lot, you, your body has been through a lot, um, mm-hmm. bringing in that beautiful little soul. So there's a lot of supportive things you can do to heal your body. Um, after birth, like I did some, um, Yoni steaming, which really helped. And like I said, that like sharing of the birth story, bone broth is really, really healing a lot of rest, like having people around you that can really, um, you know, help you to rest because a lot of us women don't know how to rest. (laughs) We want to try and do everything ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'd recommend like women to hire a doula to help them out or family or friends or things like that. Um, Yeah. And then it was so cool because um, I've been like just exclusively breastfeeding. And a lot of people told me like, you won't get your period back till you stop. My period came back two months after I gave birth. Mm. Like, cause I, cause I like, I cleared my uterus. Like I, you know, I I healed so well that my body had regained balance so quickly um, from a lot of different things. And like I said, it was in a lot of balance before and during so my cycle came back and it's so cool because mm-hmm. before I was pregnant, my, my, I wouldn't bleed on like a new moon or a full moon. It would come mm-hmm. in between the transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but now as soon as it came back and like, it's been regular, like literally since December, I've had like, a, like it, it, I, I now bleed on the new moon and I ovulate on the full moon. And when I looked it up, like that's so in sync with like motherhood energy. Yeah. And I've never had my cycle like a line like that before. So it's so, it was so cool to realize. Um, yeah. 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 (laughs) And then the last thing I'll share was we, um, we, um, decided, um, for the placenta, I think it's, I encourage women as well to like, Mm -hmm. look into the different options of what you can do with the placenta and, and, what feels right for you and, and, and what's maybe deeper connected to that. So for us, I decided to, um, so part of it is like actually edible and part of it is not. So Mm -hmm. I decided to consume the part that is edible. I just like put it in smoothies and you can't even taste it at all, but it has a lot of, it's really, really nutrient dense. And after you just giving birth, you've lost a lot of blood, you lost a lot of iron um these kind of things so um a lot of animals actually consume the placenta so for me that felt like the right decision um just like I'm like I want to give my body as much boost as I can and I I read that for some women they've noticed it can link you know to help prevent deficiencies which can be linked with postpartum depression and so I just felt it was the right decision for me but for the rest of it that was not consumable we saved it just by in the freezer and then um we planted it in the garden so like this home that had been such a blessing to me, right? Like, yeah, the you know it was the place he was conceived, the place I got to carry him and grow him and birth him, and then <laughs> um, it was also amazing timing because it was we were leaving and we were moving back to Canada. So in it, I've been living between Tanzania and Kenya, being based in East Africa for about five five and a half years at that point. And I remembered when I first arrived and like flew, I got really emotional and like touching the soil and planting the placenta. It just like made these feelings well up and overwhelm me of just so much gratitude of like Mm. remembering how I came as this like very insecure, naive, like 
very like I, I had a lot of emotions I hadn't worked on. You know, I, I, I wasn't in a very healthy place when I first went there. I had a lot. And then just I've had I had so much growth and like connections and beauty and like, you know, I had never thought, you know, now that many years later, you know, I would have the gift of my husband and the gift of a son and a family and you know, it just like I just felt so grateful to the land and just um yeah, it just like it was just a really beautiful moment of how it kind of felt like it like it was such beautiful closure and bringing everything together um so yeah just any like I think a, a ritual um it's going to be a different meaning for different people some people plant mm -hmm. like a tree but yeah anyway um that was also I think um yeah also very special and I'm really happy that we did that Wow, what a beautiful offering to Mama Gaia too, like mm. the ultimate mother. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm curious if you can just briefly share, mm. like, what are some other things that people can do with the placenta? I have heard of eating mm. it. Um, yeah, I, th I, I feel like that's the only, the only option I've heard of. So I love the yeah. planting it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's a there's a bunch of different blog like posts out there people can read but off the top of my head some people are like yeah if they're like feel icky about like so basically I just froze it in like different mm -hmm. pieces and then I put it in the smoothie um so some people find that they're not to me that didn't creep me out but for some people I understand mm -hmm. that that's like maybe a bit too too extreme for them <laughs> so mm -hmm. some people like um encapsulate it so it's like there are different um I guess people or companies out there where it's like it would make it into like a pill form so it's like oh, you're like swallowing yeah. a supplement I have heard for some people it. that is like they can wrap their head around that and their stomach around that better yeah. um some people apparently like can do something like where they like make it into like a necklace I think um yeah like you can like make it into like a piece of jewelry I think and like harden it um yeah, I think those are the main ones I can remember. So was that I think like there were a couple other options in the blog posts. Is that keeping the energy of the birth with them? I guess I'm just kind of trying mm. to like understand the neck, like creating it into a necklace. Is that like, yeah, just like, a, I mean, I'm a, sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's energetic things behind it. I never really like thought about it or dug into it. But um, I mean, it's cool. It's like the only there's like there's just so many uh, I think I would just encourage people to like there's got to also be some good blog posts about the placenta mm -hmm. like it's just fascinating like it I think it's like the, it's the only organ that you know is it's you know it's not there it, you, just, you don't have a placenta unless you have a baby right so it's mm -hmm. like it's like an organ that like gets created right and there's just so many fascinating facts about the placenta um so, um, yeah, there's got to be probably a lot of beautiful energetic things about it that are going on. But yeah, I, I like I said, I never um, thought about it much or dig into it, but that's probably a really beautiful mm. thing to learn more about. Mm. Wow. Well, mm. what a beautiful journey. I, I'm <laughs> so grateful for connecting with you and for you sharing your journey. Um, I definitely learned a lot and I hope oh, that gosh. the listeners have as well um mm -hmm. can you please uh you're more than welcome to share any uh final messages that you feel called 
Um, and then I'd love for you to also just um, let us know how we can connect with you too, if that's something that someone's really excited about doing after listening to your story. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think just thank thank you for listening and um, being open, I guess, to to learning new things and, and considering different ways that pregnancy and birth can look because mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's just framed. I mean, even myself, but there's so many misconceptions around it because of Hollywood or people just maybe share, you know, a lot of stories based in fear or, you know, they think it has to be one way, but they, there, there's this misunderstanding of what's all these different facets that can influence um, birth, right. Even before pregnancy mm-hmm. and during, and, you know, the emotional aspects that, the internal and the external um, facets, right, really shape it so that it can be so it can take other shapes and forms. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for being open and listening. Um, yeah. If people have questions or curiosities and want to connect with me, um, I, my website is FGS. Um, FGS is stands for for goodness sake. So FGSwellness.com. Um, also FGS wellness on Instagram. I share there some, um, I really love what I do with the inner voice sessions. So sometimes I share quotes, um, just some little quotes from there. If people are interested in that or on my website, I have a blog that's also just full of inner wisdom that comes through from sessions. I like to like collect some of the different quotes or wisdom that's shared, um, on these different topics. Like there's one a bit on, on birthing and pregnancy. There's one on like money, there's just different, yeah, different topics that sometimes our minds can have stories around. Um, yeah. And then, um, I love to do sessions on just a pay what feels aligning basis right now. My website needs some updating. I think there's some prices on there, but if anyone's interested to do an inner voice session on any, you know, either just in general to experience it, or if they have any fears or worries around, if motherhood chapter is right for them or not, or, you know, if they're struggling with fertility or conceiving or anything hormonal or anything with wellness, I love to hold space for people and connect with them, help them connect within themselves for those answers. Um, yeah. So that would be, yeah. Or just like, feel free to, or my email is fgswellness at gmail.com. So if people just want to write, I love to hear from people if they want to add on it to anything or ask anything. I'm, always um open to share Mm, thank you janelle (laughs) thank you for this opportunity having me um get to share with your community thank you absolutely